0: Matt Baker joins me now as we walk you up. Well, we're getting close, anyway, to the start of tonight's Champions Cup match, City down in Houston to take on the Dynamo, the second leg of this two-game series. Matt, great to visit. Sir, how are you?
1: Great to be back, Brandon. I'm excited for tonight. I'm excited to watch some midweek city soccer.
0: Yeah, exactly, and, and, a, and a lot to play for here. I, I want to get into all the possible scenarios here to start because again as as we try to as I try to teach myself and I think for a lot of folks to try and follow along with this out of league tournament it's the Champions Cup and it's just a two game series so the the winning team is going to advance tonight and for city's purposes uh, they're in a pretty advantageous position having won last week. But, Matt, there are scenarios, depending on margin of victory, depending on goals scored, City could advance with a loss tonight to Houston.
1: Yeah, Houston would need to win by two goals to really feel comfortable with moving on. St. Louis can lose by one as long as they are not shut out. And the only scenario of going to extra time is a 2-1 loss for St. Louis City. We really set ourselves up in good position last week with a win, first of all, and limiting the amount of away goals by the Houston Dynamo. CONCACAF still leverages the away goals as a tiebreaker if aggregate goals, the the combined goals between the two games, is equal. And because so, the, the importance of away goals cannot be overstated here. So for St. Louis City to jump out early, Will really put a lot of pressure, more so than usual, on the Houston Dynamo.
0: Yeah, it's in, it's interesting that the one score that gets us to extra time tonight would be two to one, Houston. It would match yep. the two the two road goals. Obviously, each side would have one road goal, so they would go on to uh, they'd go on to extra time. Does that become golden goal? Is that a uh, is that a fifteen or, or thirty minute timed extra time? There, Matt.
1: 30-minute extra time with the regular small halftime in between, but then it goes to PKs. Not quite the golden goal, so we could be up for a late night tonight, Brendan.
0: Yeah, no question about it. 2-1 to one seems like a uh, uh, a pretty uh, n- a normal kind of score to, to come out yeah. of a game like tonight. No question about it. Uh, a 0-0 draw, that would be a scenario where City would advance. and In fact, man, I think any draw City advances.
1: Any draw, city advances. That's right. Uh, that, that away goal limitation last week and winning, the combination really set St. Louis up. So any draw tonight is a good draw for St. Louis.
0: So let's start breaking down how we think this this could play out, Matt. We We got a pretty good idea of where Houston is at. After last week, now they go on, they play Kansas City, sporting KC to a 1-1 draw in their MLS opener Saturday night. And I was curious to watch some of that, Matt, because this was a Houston team last week. uh, I felt like walked out of that game with a fairly compromised roster, having dealt with uh, some, uh, some pretty significant injuries.
1: That's right. Houston came into this season missing a host of their best players they don't have they didn't have this weekend Sebastian Ferreira or Griffin Dorsey to play so they're not entirely weak coming into St. Louis but they're still missing a lot of their key players like Hector Herrera and they're not starting the season in a good spot but that just means that they're being i think they're they're playing a little more cautious in, in and of itself leading to their their 2-1 loss against St. Louis and playing it cautious in their first MLS match against Sporting Kansas City but I don't think they have that luxury. I think they're going to have to try and play outside of themselves just a little, little much this, this Tuesday night. And they do have some, some ability to progress the ball. They have a couple key playmakers that will still be available, but they may not be at full health, full fitness, just like St. Louis City, who we'll talk about. But we're looking at guys like Artur, Coco Kerskia, Ibrahim Aliyu, some of their key players in both midfield progressing the ball and in their attack that will be important tonight, but they played the full 90 against Sporting KC. When you have your attacking players, you're going to need to stretch the field, and we saw Coco Carasquilla what he can do against St. Louis last week. If you're relying on him to run, stretch the field, the fact that he went 90 minutes just three nights ago is a big deal.
0: Looking back to last week in St. Louis between these two teams, Matt, it was it was a fairly evenly played 90-minutes between these two clubs, I think City's been in a, in a pretty interesting spot for this first week. I, I think clearly having gotten outplayed by Real Salt Lake. And and last week it was a scenario where I, I would almost call it a draw. And, and St. Louis got the late goal from Kojima to put them out on top. But I, I certainly didn't think they separated themselves all that much from from that Houston team.
1: No, and it was more so last week, I think, a feeling out match. So I look for this third match of the season for St. Louis to be a little more comfortable with what they have to offer, a little more sure of themselves in progressing the ball, still taking some of those chances that didn't really connect against RSL or Houston for that matter. And when you have a, a side like St. Louis, who they may, they may have a luxury in able to play their own game, thinking about themselves more so than Houston, who's going to need to rely, like I said, on maybe pushing the ball up the field a little more than they might normally be inclined to do that. It gives St. Louis not quite a, a relaxed feel to it, but tactically, I think they, they more so than Houston can be comfortable with their own selves and the ability to to continue playing their game and not take as many chances maybe as they would otherwise need to.
0: Matt Baker, with me. It is our game preview for tonight. It is the second leg of the Champions Cup against Houston, winner advancing to play Columbus. As the Champions Cup bracket would continue to whittle down a little bit closer to a uh, to a, a final four, a, a final eight, and I think it's uh, the next round would be the field of sixteen. But right. uh, Matt. We talk about this Houston roster being compromised from last week. It's a St. Louis back line that is certainly compromised itself, having to deal with a multitude of injuries with with, with Josh Yarrow and a potential head injury over the weekend. You had Tim Parker exit with a muscle strain. You have Kyle Hebert, who's definitely out tonight. I want to talk in a few minutes about Michael Venzel and and his ascension up from City 2, but this, if, if there appears to be a big question mark about tonight, this is the area to focus on, man.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of questions for St. Louis going into this. And Houston has a lot of the same things to worry about. So when we think about, and I know the conversation today among the St. Louis fan base is really focused on putting out the best 11 that St. Louis can. The context of that needs to take into consideration what Houston is able to give. So like we were talking earlier, Houston playing the same amount of games, the same number of days just as compromised of a roster if not more with some of their key attackers and ball progressors st louis is dealing with a backline issue so we have a backline of a center back rotation that at optimal health optimal fitness you have tim parker and Joachim milton two of the best in the game best in mls that you can throw out there and feel comfortable with you've seen them together this year joaquin milton in particular is i i want to say back to where we hoped he would be last year playing 90 minutes to start the season But the fact of Tim Parker's injury to take him out of the game against RSL, that's a concern with his muscle tightness. Is he ready to go enough to start? Josh Yarrow came in, played a significant number of minutes, and had a couple head injuries, so he's concerning. We don't know. We haven't heard any limitations on him, but that's a a question mark. Joaquin Nilsson, like I mentioned, just went 90 minutes for the first time since October, and he wasn't regularly going 90 minutes last year. And so how's his knee holding up? Is he going to be able to turn around in three days? Is that even something you want to consider this early in the season? Kyle Hebert, like you mentioned, is out. Jake Nierwinski would then be our next rostered center back that you look at. And we kind of need him over at that right back position, since Thomas Totland has played two games at 90 minutes, in my opinion. And so now you have Michael Venzel. So he was called up for a reason, I believe, because... We know with MLS roster rules there are very specific criteria and, and timelines in which you can make these short-term loan call-ups. For, for MLS and City 2, it's four times per year for an individual player, and they can only appear in up to two MLS matches. This not being an MLS match, you have a little little flexibility to bring him in, and it could be an opportunity for Venzel, who did play all of preseason with City. So he's not coming in fresh not familiar with anybody or the the pace with which St. Louis plays, he he played both in Florida and in California with the club. So there's a lot to like about what he's able to bring to this back line. And then you have a left-back spot where Anthony Marcanic is in the same position as Thomas Hotland. He played the full 90 both games this week. And so where do you go from here? I think a lot of the question marks, Brendan, are going to be how quick can this sports performance department get some of these players regen and back up to speed who aren't dealing with some of the ailments like a Parker, a Yarrow, Hebert, who's out, and possibly Nielsen and how he's recovering from his knee. There's a lot of question marks in, in that, those players, but if you look elsewhere in who might be options in our back line, you look to, like I mentioned, Jake Merwinski on, at right back. You look at Akil Watts possibly at left back, and Nicholas Dewar. That's a big unknown to me is Nicholas Dewar. He didn't play per Bradley Carnell, for two months prior to arriving with St. Louis City. He had been kind of out of form with his offseason or that break that he had in his season in the winter, so he needed some time to get up to speed. And we haven't seen him play yet so far in these first couple of games. He wasn't even rostered against RSL. You can read into that however you want, whether he wasn't rostered specifically to save him for tonight or he wasn't rostered because a guy like Akio Watts is your preferred fit choice right now as backup, left-back, backup fullback. There's there's a lot that goes into this that really focuses around how fit the players are not necessarily what our optimal starting 11 is.
0: And as we've mapped this out, Matt, going from Champions Cup to MLS back to Champions Cup and, and then you got the fourth match in 11 days come Saturday, shifting back to the MLS, and we've wondered all along, how do you prioritize this? Do you try and put extra emphasis on advancing in this Champions Cup? And I think that's what they've tried to do, but I think with the injuries, it's put them in a precarious situation and, well, at least precarious for what this depth might allow them to do because we, you've rattled off a lot of guys there and the depth clearly stronger than it was a season ago and and with, with the likes of Totland and what he's been able to do go in the full 90 the last two the fact that you've got Nielsen back and maybe he's close but the fact that you're having to really kind of mix and match here and not go with your I, ideal top four back there and and not that not to say that you would would have been able to do it anyway uh, coming off, right. coming off the the quick turnaround, but the injuries now have put putting in a spot where Venzel has to come up, he's got to come up and and probably get time. I know you guys on Flyover have uh, projected him as a starter tonight, as folks can uh, can see a lot of those thoughts if you go to Twitter right now and and uh, unfollow your account on there. But I, I think it's it, it's really interesting tonight because it is. Um, it's, it's not the situation you had planned to be in, but your depth does afford you, I think some opportunities to to maybe get away with it tonight if somebody like Totlin, if Nielsen, if they're not in there, if Tim Parker's not in there, it's, I, I, it it's it's really fascinating to see how how uh, Bradley Carnell uh, adjusts with this tonight. It, it's
1: fascinating to me too the foresight that bradley carnell can be attributed to him and Lutz in bringing michael Venzel into camp for such a significant amount of time this preseason it was always a question mark seeing ventel out there knowing he was signed with city two and wondering what's the purpose of him being out there for so long and you think at the time it was to cover for Joachim Nilsson, who left the california camp to get his green card but now hindsight being what it is that has to look like a, just a fantastic foresight by carnell and lute to give him that opportunity you might as well at this point look at michael Venzel as just another member of the city roster with how much time he spent with this club so far in the first couple months of this year and yeah there's there's a lot of back and forth with champions cup and mls overall and the the way that it has manifested itself is definitely putting our our depth to the test we expected that we fully knew that we were going to see some considerable rotation, half of the roster or so between matches, by the sheer necessity of what you're doing. And yes, these are professional soccer players, the professional athletes. They are, they're trained up, they're fit, but it's still the beginning of their season. You know, We saw last year this same kind of thing where you, you can't run out guys every single match with each break and not expect them to break down at some point, which they did towards the end of the season. The sheer fact that we have so many competitions in such a congested amount of time means that you want to go for it. You want to compete as strong as you can, but you have to take the big picture into consideration as well. You can't can't run these guys out for 180, 270 minutes in a two-week time period and then expect them to be your everyday starter for the rest of the season. That's going to wear them down, and they're going to fail, essentially, after League's Cup. Their, Their bodies will not last through the end of the season. Right. And so... So the fan base, I think, is is reconciling with that, right? They're, we're all looking at what is the best possible way we can attack the Houston Dynamo team and progress in Champions Cup while still putting our best players out there. And the idea that we have – I haven't really heard too much this preseason or the beginning of the season of Every Man Up that we really remember from last summer when that San Jose Earthquake game last summer. I love remembering this, that Sam Adeniran, AZ Jackson, Akeel Watts, and Josh Yarrow all debuted – in starting roles for City and we won 2-1 two away. With that kind of mindset, anybody can slide into this starting lineup, I think, and be successful. Michael Vensel, Akil Watts, even a Jose Kajima might find significant minutes yeah. tonight, whether Carnell wants to give him a start or not. But there's no reason to believe with these first couple matches and with the, the way that we saw success in it last year, that we can't have a little bit of rotation. We can't Conserve some of this, these legs and energy all season. There's a lot to navigate, and I think so far it's about as well as we can hope. We'll see how it continues from here.
0: And as uh, as folks listen to this, the starting lineup is probably dropping right now. And assuming Michael Venzel's in there, and even if he's not, assuming he is going to get some run tonight, Matt, what do you what do you expect to see from him? Individually, because he was a big hit with City Two last year, as you mentioned, he was getting time with the uh, with with the first team during camp. He's somebody as you as he very astutely pointed out, Bradley Carnell and Lutz had the foresight to realize, say, hey, this guy can help us. How do you think he can help them tonight?
1: I think his speed is going to be the first and foremost thing that I watch for. Uh, Michael Venzel played every single every single match last year with City Two, and he's played with Roman Berkey this preseason. So he's going to be familiar with where his positioning needs to be relative to how Berkey likes to play, and he's going to be used to uh, accepting some some direction from Burkey What both he saw that this preseason from the sidelines next to Berkey, and tonight with him likely. I think there's a lot of a lot of intelligence to the game in how he positions himself. Uh, whether he partners with Josh Yarrow, Tim Parker, Joaquin Nilsen, uh that will kind of drive what his responsibilities are. Because we know Joaquin Nilsson likes to play a little more out than up against Berkey. I think he, he's more of a, a defender in space. And that's what I saw from Michael Venzel last year at City 2. I will I will definitely be watching to see how he tracks back and holds the back line. Um, Michael Venzel is no stranger to this system, being from, like I said, last year with City 2, so he's familiar with what his roles and responsibilities are, but his speed, pace, and just overall quickness to handle some of those attackers who try to run between the lines, and especially when we have a guy like Coco Carasquilla out there who's going to spread the space wide. Michael Vensel can both 1v1 defend, but he's also pretty smart in his positional awareness. I wouldn't expect to see him leave big gaps as our defense tries and plays in transition,
0: Matt Baker, with me, our soccer uh, correspondent and uh, host of the Flyover Footy podcast, heard each and every weekend match day on the Big Five Fifty KTRS Fallout Pod is out right now. But uh, we're we're quickly coming up on. Uh, did you guys preview tonight's match in the Fallout, man?
1: We did, yeah. We looked a lot at this past weekend, so Houston, Houston's matchup, I think, is just as important as the way St. Louis is going into this. And uh, there, there is a lot to like about who they ran out, like we mentioned earlier. But we did do a full preview, so uh, if you're if you're wanting a little last minute cramming after you listen to us here on the Big Five Fifty, check out Flyer Footy and our Fallout Pod. The last, so oh, I'd say fifteen or twenty minutes.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, well. You know some things that I'm certainly curious about tonight. Having seen again just a couple of matches play out, and you know up front whether it's Klaus, whether it's Big Sam getting some run, and and watching those two guys at the same time. Somebody like uh, like a Celio Pompeo got a little time on Saturday, trying to find that right combination, man. And uh, certainly right now, from what we've seen, you mentioned it Sunday. Uh, what with what big Sam has done maybe the guy so far through just two games but are, are we are we to that point right now matt where we're still looking for the right combinations the right chemistry with some of your strikers up front whether you got two whether you have one, your defensive uh mids as well uh, is 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 it as important right now matt especially in a match like tonight to where the, the quality of the individual play should be matched, if not exceeded, by how they are at least mixing with their teammates in, in certain scenarios, whether it's late in the game, early in the game. That's about as important as anything going on uh, at those positions. Am I wrong? Are we, are we trying to find that right chemistry still?
1: I think we are, and you're seeing those high individual performances make up for some of that feeling-out period, whereas the match against RSL saw a long pass to Sam Adderan, and he made things happen himself. It was Sam going and doing what he does best in 1v1 open space. The formation did not matter the slightest bit in that regard. The tactics didn't matter at all. It was send the ball to Sam and let Sam cook. And I think that makes up for what we're seeing these first few games where – Two different formations to start things off, probably because of the depth and needing to not play Sam and Klaus both at the same time for significant periods back-to-back within three days, kind of spreading them out. So that fully explains the one striker look that we had against RSL, and I'm expecting that again tonight against Houston as well, where last, last Tuesday we ran two strikers. I think you're seeing a midfield that is also feeling themselves out underneath that striker whether you have Nicky Thorson, Salio Pompeu, who can make some runs, both different ways. You have Indiana of A.Z. Jackson, those kinds of players who they play differently when they have one versus two strikers. They're asked to play differently. And so when you have some of those instincts kick in in where your positioning and your spacing needs to be, it makes a difference if you have one or two strikers. And these guys have played in both of those types of systems. They haven't played as much, I would argue, with Sam in a one-striker formation so maybe that will be something that, you know, they, they had worked on this past week. So I, I look forward to seeing how Sam is a one striker for a significant amount of time works if that ends up being in the starting lineup. But at the end of the day, if you if you're a city player in this system, you know that regardless of if you're one striker or two, two or three attacking mids, when you get into that attacking third, it's either instinct or it is just adrenaline carrying you forward, and it's that's when the talent really shines through. We saw it with AZ Jackson last week in defending on the left and attacking on the right. We've seen it from Newt B. Thorson in chasing balls to the end line or going direct to goal. Whatever you need to do in that position, your your higher talented players are able to do, and that's what City is likely needing to rely on tonight.
0: And we see Sam come off the bench. We see him start, and I wondered if, the, if he wasn't pigeonholed a little bit, Matt, as a guy that you sub in late, final 25, 30 minutes, he's got fresh legs, he's got the speed, and he's somebody maybe you bring on to get a late goal. But maybe that narrative is starting to change. As, as I, Certainly judging by his play last year, I think Sam Adeneron is showing, Matt, that he can be one of your top players and one of your guys regularly in the starting 11. And I, And I'm starting to think it's... It's getting more and more maybe independent of, of what you think of, uh, of a Klaus or where he where he ranks amongst uh, some of your other strikers and, 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 and in terms of their overall stamina. I, I feel like he's establishing himself as somebody you want up there for, you want out there from the get-go.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing to reconcile coming into the season, seeing what Sam showed in glimpses at the end of last year, and eight goals last year, I call it glimpse. We didn't have a full season of him, whereas right. we had a full season with injuries of Klaus, so we know what we had in Klaus. He was presumed to be the number one striker, the guy you cannot take off the field because of what he brings. But Sam Adeniran is pushing himself, if not already, into that conversation too, where you just, if you want your best, forwards on the field, Sam Adenaran has to be a part of that. The way he can t- take control of a game, the way he can change things on a dime and his speed to chase down a ball are so impressive. And I think the reason that it, it might be taking a little bit or, or a different approach, not just from his loan last year, but his acquisition of just a $100,000 in GAM, whereas Klaus is a designated player, million, millions of dollars in a transfer fee, they arrive differently but they're offering pretty similar as, as far as their productivity. And we're still seeing, back to our last point of, how do you have these two players work together at the same time, or do, do they offer you more alternating, subbing in for one another? And if that's the case, how can you possibly say that Sam is your everyday sub when he can make such a difference if given a, an increased role? There's a lot that Bradley Carnell is going to have to, I would say, reconcile in, in minutes with those two players and if you play them both at the same time and you figure it out, who's going to be your potential sub for them? Is it a Nukbe Thorsten? Is it a Salio Pompeu? Will it be a new signing later this year? I know we're getting ahead of ourselves and talking about potential new signing, but when you think about how Sam and Klaus play together and what their best roles on the field are, needing somebody who last year it was Nico Joachini that could prov- provide the relief has to be a part of the equation that we end up talking about at some point. Either way, I think with Klaus going this weekend and Sam likely to go tonight, it's an exciting proposition Anytime Sam and Dan on the field.
0: I assume you saw a, a pretty prominent voice, maybe the most prominent soccer voice out there, Matt, be critical, and it's not the first time you've been critical of Edward Leuven, and that is Taylor Twellman. Uh, mentioning it again, how Leuven just not quite the same player since uh, coming out of the, the, the League's Cup break last year, and what we've seen of Edward Leuven so far. Granted, he's somebody that missed a lot of camp, and I think that has to factor into this equation, Matt. But what have you made of Leuven so far, and do you think the criticism that's been lobbed from Taylor Twelman now multiple times uh, has been fair?
1: I go back and forth, to be honest. I, I don't think it's fair in and of itself, given the circumstances that Leuven has right now where he missed a significant chunk of preseason. He... He did stay in form in the sense of he had conditioning that he was working on in Germany. He had routines that he was following from the staff, but he didn't touch a soccer ball. He didn't go on a field. So you have that, that field rust, for lack of a better term, that he's shaking off because he just arrived the week before we played last week. He's only been back with City for two weeks, less than two weeks, and so there is that acclimation period where he needs to get his legs out from back under him. And when he's when he's Finally, at that point where he's playing full 90s like Edu Leuven did for a large chunk of last season, and he's able to integrate himself more into the offensive flow of the ball, I think we'll see an entirely different story. We'll see a lot more of 2023 Edu Leuven before his injury, and I think we'll see a lot more connectivity with St. Louis City. There's a a way that St. Louis has been progressing the ball, and it's been through our wing. Edu Leuven having the fifth most touches in the last game, Jabulu Blom wasn't in the top five. The ball is not going through our midfield right now, and that will have to change at some point. And Eddie Leuven, by virtue of being that that box-to-box midfielder who complements a Blom or a Durkin, is going to be relied on to do that. And he'll need to step up. And he definitely has the skill. He definitely has the talent. We're just going to need to see that. And I do think a little bit of a grace in the time it takes from not going on a field for two weeks to then having two weeks back with your team we'll probably start to see that progression and that talent shine through here in the next week or so, if not tonight. And that's, that's another question in and of itself is, will Leuven be good to go tonight? Because having right. gone over 80 minutes against RSL, Bradley Carnell said he was only supposed to go 60 minutes or so. How will that impact? Will he make? he be one of those second-half subs? Either way, he, he's getting there. I think that's what my takeaway is. I, I know that there's going to be criticism about individual games and in the moment and trying to show up like you used to for every single game, but circumstances are a factor, and so that is, that's part of my long-term outlook for Levin.
0: What I'm curious to see, and I, I, don't, I don't think we've seen them all together yet and maybe briefly, but I'm curious to see Leuven, Durkin, Blom, on the pitch at the same time, just to see what that would look Obviously, they do a lot of the same things, but I, I wonder what that would look like, Matt, for a, for a given period of time throughout a match.
1: Yeah, we've heard from Jabula Blom that he refers to Chris Durkin and himself as playing the same position, and we've also heard from Edu Leuven that he, his preferred position is the number six. So you're talking about guys who all feel that their same position is right. at the pivot, the number six, so something has to give. And the most logical thing that would give is for Blom and Durkin to be in the central midfield and Lubin to push a little higher into a central attacking midfield role, which he did play a few times last year. And he is absolutely uh, a fantastic ball handler. And he has great vision to make that kind of a thing work. And a lot of fans really see that number 10 on the back of their jersey and think this guy with his talent and skill on the ball can and should be our number 10. We just haven't utilized him that much. So, it is absolutely – and it, it's a long season, right, Brendan? So the MLS season has all of the different quirks and injuries happen. I would be shocked if we didn't see that at some point, expecting to see either a four-two-three-one or a 4-4-2 that has Durkin and Blom in the midfield and Leuven a little higher up
0: in the field. So some uh, now, Matt, some final thoughts breaking this down for tonight. And given how really – messy city was on on Saturday night still coming away with the draw looking back to last week here's an interesting plot point for tonight and I've heard it thrown around a little bit does Houston is Houston really motivated to come out of this thing with a win obviously they're not going to go out there and try to lose that's not how this works but how motivated are they and can we see a a, a strong road performance? from St. Louis City, their first true road game tonight. They won their first last year. It was the first game of the year down in Austin. But a couple of interesting factors there for me, Matt. How do you see this coming together this evening?
1: Well, if you talk to Ben Olsen, which we did a a week ago before the first game, he didn't really seem too interested in playing St. Louis or excited about the prospect or really excited about their own prospect in Boston. progressing in Champions Cup, given all of their injuries, all of their figuring things out and trying to play without their playmaker, Hector Herrera, trying to play without some of their attacking pieces. But at the same time, I do see this as it will, it will further a negative narrative for St. Louis City if they don't come out on top, knowing that Houston is missing so many of those key pieces. Wow. And if Houston, without Hector Herrera, is able to defeat St. Louis City, by the aggregate goal or tiebreaker tonight, then it, it's, going to have a, a ba- it's going to have bad ramifications, I think, for City, and especially for how we're viewed locally and nationally. And that's not to say that Houston just doesn't want to win or they don't want to come out and shock people, but Champions Cup, just like the U.S. Open Cup and League Cup, have to be viewed by teams in context of what your priorities are. Going down by one goal already, how hard are they going to push to really do what they need to do and beat beat St. Louis in that aggregate score score that we referred to earlier, I I don't know that Ben Olson's going to push his team as far as he could if this was truly a make or break impacting the rest of your season uh, lose or go home in the playoffs type of a, a thing. And at, on the on the opposite end though, I think Bradley Carnell has an opportunity here. And when I mentioned earlier about St. Louis has the ability to play within themselves. I don't necessarily mean they can bunker down defensively and change their tactics of what they're going to do. I think this affords St. Louis to play within themselves more than it affords Houston to play within themselves. St. Louis can rotate, plug in the next available person, and still have that exact same system work because it's worked before and they're comfortable in it, and the onus is on Houston to figure out a way to beat this St. Louis defense, to beat their press, and, and do something that they really haven't done since U.S. Open Cup uh, for, for consistent periods of time. Uh, I don't know that Ben Olsen is going to overly push any of his players fitness-wise, and so that's a benefit for St. Louis City. We're playing pretty even-keeled in that regard, and if you're playing even as far as your fitness of your players, we have, I, I would argue, better attacking availability, if not defensive, and so... You look at the tail of the tape type of a thing, and line for line I would give the advantage to St. Louis. Intrinsically, by being ahead on aggregate. the advantage is to St. Louis. It, it's going to come down to who gets that first goal. That's going to change so much of how this game progresses from there. If the game goes on and, and we're scoreless at halftime, that's a benefit to St. Louis City. The longer the game stays scoreless, the more benefit it is to St. Louis. The, if St. Louis can come out and get the first goal, then Houston is going to have to completely change up their dynamic if they want to compete. And what will be fascinating to watch is if they don't change up their dynamic, that gives us kind of our answer right there, is they might be willing to concede more so than press their players and overextend them.
0: If City has a 1-0 lead at halftime, Matt, you'd start to feel at worst the things going into extra time and mm-hmm. looking really good at advancing out of there. Get, getting to halftime in a in – in a fortuitous spot, I think will be big tonight after that first forty-five.
1: Yeah, the the tactical adjustments have so far been pretty good by Bradley Carnell. He's had sub-score in the last two games, and if he can carry on that that tradition, that flow into this game, it's going to bear a lot of fruit for St. Louis because a goal is huge for St. Louis. Goals late are even better.
0: Matt Baker Fly Over Footy Podcast new new uh, new pod will be out. Thursday night, Friday morning, Matt?
1: That's right. Yeah, plenty to recap in this game and then looking ahead to NYCFC for next week. So another quick turnaround for St. Louis, and we hope to be excited to not only talk about those but potentially look forward to Columbus next week.
0: Of course, folks can hear that Saturday here on the Big 550 KTRS. Matt, great stuff. Really, really fun tonight to get people ready for this game in mere moments. I appreciate it, sir, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Brendan. Always appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
0: That's our show. Enjoy the game tonight, folks. We'll see you back here, Soccer Weekly, Friday night at 6 on the Big 550.